hey, we are almost at the end of summer, and so we are working through our summer series that we're calling The New Life, and this is all about following Jesus. You know, Jesus changed the world with two words, follow me. Back then, some people actually did, and today, some people actually do. There's a whole lot of other stuff going on, but some people are actually following Jesus, learning the ways of God and living it out. Now, back 2,000 years ago, it was like going to college or something, you know, or going to a school that had housing. You know, you left and you went there. You went with Jesus, quite literally. Now, when we follow Jesus, it's a little bit different because we don't just follow him. So we've been talking about the different things that are part of the Christian life. Last week, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit to really get your heart right. Very important. It's a big, big deal because Christianity is not a religion of loopholes and technicalities. It's not a religion of being right and telling other people they're wrong. It's a religion of the heart. It's a religion of love. It's a religion of redemption and forgiveness and empowerment and peace, joy. We got to get our hearts right if we're going to follow Jesus. And then that's a good preliminary sermon for this week, which we're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about tithes and offerings and that whole thing, because everybody who follows Jesus has to deal with giving. You know, it's just part of the deal. And uh, so how do we handle tithes and offerings? You know, this is something every believer has to face. You show up for church, they take an offering. You go to a conference, they take an offering. Uh, You read the Bible, you see stuff about that in the Bible. And it's like, it's just part of the thing is giving. So how do we give? Before we get going, I just want to say it's really nice to preach on this while the church is doing well. You know, I'm not trying to figure out how to get more money into the church. Uh, The church is doing great. It's fantastic. Hallelujah for that. We're able to do things for the kingdom of God because we have the resources to do those things, and it's just an incredible blessing. So good job, everybody. Thank you for being part of the uh, uh, making Good Hope Church strong. So thank you for that. Not trying to push anybody one way or another because of a, a need that we have, but this is something that we have to deal with. Each person individually has to deal with how do they give? What does that look like? And so I'm going to talk about four things in our giving. And the first one is kind of the short answer. How do we give? How do we handle giving? And the short answer is point number one, and that is that we give as the Spirit directs. At Good Hope Church, we pray, we check our heart. What is God showing us to do? Let's do that. Why do we have that as a rule? I mean, it's kind of vague. The reason it's vague is simply this. Different people are in different places, and the reality is the line is in different place in different places for different people, and it moves. Let me say that again. The line is in different places for different people, and it moves. Say you've been far from God, and you're just experiencing all the hardships and the darkness of this world, and then you come to Jesus, and now it's the next day. Is, is this time for God to deal with you with tithing? You know, probably not. There's going to be a whole lot of other things that the Lord is going to show you and work with you on. You know, it's not going to be tithing right away. It's going to be your thought life. It's going to be learning how to make things right with other people. It's going to be prayer. You know, these are going to be things that God is going to deal with you on. And then later down the road, giving is going to be a piece of the puzzle. And it's going to be something that God grows within you. So it is true. I fully believe that, honestly, different people are called to give different amounts in different ways, but that that will change as you learn and grow and mature as a believer, that your giving will increase. And I do believe it will eventually 
get to tithes and offerings, but it's not necessarily there. And we want to be able to welcome anybody into the church and not put undue pressure on people and turn giving into a yucky thing. So that's why the first point and what I say to people is we give as the Spirit directs. Pray, seek the Lord, give what he shows us to give. That is something that the brand new believer can do. That is something that the mature believer who's been serving God and tithing for 40 years can do. And so that's the general principle. Let's give as the Spirit directs. So giving as the Spirit directs, however, may be very different from giving what you want. That's a a thing that maybe can be confusing. I'm not saying give whatever you want. I'm saying give what the Spirit directs. You need to pray. You need to seek the Lord. Most of the time, the Lord will stretch you with regards to giving. Now, maybe you're somebody who gives away too much of your stuff. You're always doing that and you're putting yourself in a bad position. Then the Spirit will direct you like, hey, <laughs> well, what are you doing? You know, don't put yourself in a very bad position. And God will direct you to give less to protect yourself a little more if you're overdoing it. But if you're underdoing it, then God is going to stretch you. And one of the points I want to make sure that we get right and that we'll hit later in the sermon as well is that God is going for the win-win with regards to giving. It's not something where we need to think, you know, that, oh, this is going to be bad for me. This is going to hurt me. It might be challenging and stretching, but the reality is, is that God's plan A in all the different things is the win-win. Now, of course, the win-win requires us to submit to God and to cooperate with each other. That can be a bit challenging. But let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is a, a section of scripture where the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about an offering. So there's two chapters on this offering in 2 Corinthians. It's rather quite amazing. So I think it's probably the biggest section of scripture dealing with a specific offering. Two chapters in 2 Corinthians, chapter 8 and chapter 9, all talking about an offering. It's something that they talked about before, took like faith pledges kind of an idea, and then they're finishing the offering, you know, and there's tension between Paul and the church there. So it's a real sticky situation. So if you're interested in that, you know, read the entirety of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 about this offering. But we're going to look at a few things. The first part here, verses 10 through 15, I think really show the heart of God with regards to, this isn't about exploiting somebody. This is about us sharing burdens together. So, Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 10. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter, the matter of this offering. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So there he's saying, look, you don't have to give a whole bunch. You give what you can, you know, then it's acceptable to God. Verse 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. So a reference there to the manna given to the nation of Israel as they wandered in the desert that they were all taken care of. And that's the idea here, is that there's equality. It's not an exploitation of one group over another, but it's us helping each other. 
bearing one another's burdens and making it work out. Sometimes it might swing this way, another time it might swing that way. And so God's plan is for the win-win, for everyone to be taken care of. Let's go now to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll go into the next part of it. Sometimes in the win-win, as Paul is describing here in chapter 8, you know, sometimes you can help somebody and the next time they help you and it all works out well. But sometimes they can never help you back. And that's when we trust God to take care of us. And that's what we see in the next chapter, chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. Let's read verses 6 through 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, he's talking about sowing into the offering. It's symbolic, planting a seed, you're donating some money. That's the analogy there. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So that verse 8 is talking about, you know, if the other people can't pay you back, God will pay you back. And sometimes that doesn't even happen in this life. It happens in the next one. You store up treasures in heaven. Hallelujah for that. But with regards to giving as the Spirit directs, I want to look a little bit closer to verse 7 here of chapter 9. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what does this mean? This means that there should be some intention about this. Take some time, go ahead and pray, seek the Lord, and when you come to a place of peace in your heart on what you should give, then that's a great place to be, where you've got peace in your heart. You're not thinking to yourself, ooh, I'm not doing enough. You're not thinking to yourself, oh, I'd better do this or those people aren't going to like me. You're not in those places where you're pulled this way and that, but where you're like, yeah, you know what? This is right. Spend the time in prayer. Spend the time seeking the Lord. Check your heart and then get to that place of verse seven. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Then you can be cheerful. Then you can know, okay, I'm doing what God directed me to do. I believe God will take care of me. If I'm doing what he directed me to do, it's going to be okay. So point number one, give as the Spirit directs. That's how we give. We give as the Spirit directs. Now let's talk some more. What does giving have to do with? How do we give at the church? How do we give as a Christian? You know, because Honestly, uh, you know, like giving to Good Hope Church is not the way the extraordinary majority of Christians are going to give. It's going to be in other ways, sowing into the kingdom of God in different ways, not necessarily Good Hope Church. But how do we look at giving? What's the point of giving? Let's continue to talk about this. We'll get into point number two, which is this. Give to honor God. It's not so much about keeping the lights on as it is honoring God, worshiping God, serving God. We give to honor God. This is the heart of giving. Let's look at an extravagant gift that Jesus received 
It's recorded in several Gospels, but we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. And here, Jesus receives a very, very expensive gift that cannot be resold later, that is just used up in the moment. A very expensive gift, but Jesus receives it. So let's look at this. Mark, chapter 14, we'll be starting in verse 3. And this is only a few days before Jesus is crucified. So here we go, verse 3. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. That's on Jesus' head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. They're like, what did you just do? Dumping perfume on Jesus? What's wrong with you? That was expensive. Verse 6, Jesus comes to her defense. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Why did Jesus defend her so strongly? You know, I mean, this is more than a year's wages, you know, more than 300 denarii in their money. For us, $30,000, $40,000, it'd be a chunk of money here, you know, for perfume and it's just gone. You know, it smell good for a while, it's gone. So people are all mad, but Jesus receives the gift. He understands the love that she's showing to him. He defends her because she's honoring Jesus. She's honoring him. So he comes to her defense. She gives an extravagant gift and Jesus is moved. He defends her. He is honored by the gift. So we give to honor God. We give to offer thanksgiving to God, to say Thank you, Lord, for the life I have and for the life I get to live. Thank you for what you've done for me. And we honor God through our giving. That's what she was doing. She broke the jar, poured out the perfume, and she could have sold it and had the money for herself and then written Jesus a nice note. Sure, appreciate you. You're awesome. You know, a little signature on there and and given that to Jesus. But she didn't do that. She didn't just express herself in that way. She spent a huge amount of money on Jesus, and he defended her because this was honoring to him. Now, not everyone was so excited about what she did. As we read there in verses four and five, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. So not everybody was so excited about this gift. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes people aren't real excited about what other people give. You know, they might get all mad. And then if we read the next verse, we read three through nine. Let's read verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. He was one of the ones who is indignant, like why this waste? He got so mad about the extravagant offering that this woman gave to Jesus that 
Judas turned him in, and this is how he ends up getting crucified. Like Some people get pretty mad about this stuff. The offense caused Judas to betray Jesus. Let me tell you, talking about tithes and offerings, if seeing what other people give brings up some super negative stuff, some dark stuff in your heart, you need to deal with that. You need to be careful. That was what got Judas. You know, Judas was, he was one of the 12. I'm sure he was a good guy, but the devil got a foothold in his heart and that darkness began to rise and this pushed him over the edge and now he betrays Jesus. You gotta watch your heart when those dark things come up. I'm sure Judas felt completely like he was doing the right thing. He takes a year's wages worth of perfume for one day. I get me 30 pieces of silver. You know, that'll work out. He, I'm sure he felt just completely justified in what he did because of the offense he had in his heart. So don't be like that. You let an offense grow in your heart, it can cause you to do things that are wrong and you feel justified. So don't be like that. So we give to honor God. Hallelujah. Like the woman with the jar of perfume. So we give as the Spirit directs. We give to honor God. And then we give in faith. Point number three is we give in faith. It isn't just about obedience, but it includes an expectation of being taken care of by God. So I started tithing over 20 years ago. And at that time, I was on government assistance. You know, like I was, I don't remember the exact details, food stamps, or WIC and what are all the different stuff, you know, fuel assistance, all that stuff. And I started giving out of a sense of obligation, not giving in faith. Like, I guess this is something I'm supposed to do. Well, whatever. I'll, okay. <laughs> So not exactly a good start. Not exactly a good start. Hallelujah, I've grown some. And over the last 20 plus years, I've been able to see John chapter 8 verses 31 and 32 play out. John 8, 31 and 32, some amazing verses here says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So in this area of giving, I began to hold to the teachings, more blessed to give than to receive, you know, of someone who is a giver rather than a taker, you know, somebody who's not selfish and greedy, but someone who's willing to share and that sort of a thing. So I'm like, all right, we'll go with tithes and offerings. And so I went ahead and started that. But I got to tell you, my heart wasn't exactly in the right place. It was like, well, yeah, I guess I will. So I wasn't really grabbing hold of the cheerful giver thing. But I did see this play out when I started to do it, then I saw how God's blessings began to flow. So I began to give and saw God take care of us, saw God take care of my family. And now over 20 years later, I've seen an incredible amount of blessing from God, more than what I would have dreamed. It's just incredible. So hallelujah for that. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know that we can give in faith and that God will take care of us. Doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, like the next week you get a check for $100,000 in the mail, but we made it through. And now we're in a much, much stronger position financially than we were back then. And it's an incredible blessing. So let's clarify some terms here. I've talked about tithing, talked about offerings from 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. So tithing is the 10th. The word literally means 10th. So the 10th part that goes to God, belongs to God, is what tithe means. And then offerings are of the 90% that's left that belongs to us, then we give out of that. That's an offering. It's something that belongs to us that we give to God. The 10th really, biblically, if you look at it, 
God considers that to belong to him. But again, if you're not there yet, don't worry about that. God's first thing to deal with you in your life isn't going to be tithing. It's it's going to be all these other things. So let it come in at proper time if you're not there yet. So just a clarification of verses. So let's look at some tithing here. We'll go to Malachi chapter 3. And the classic tithing scriptures, Malachi 3, 6 through 12, says this, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. So he's not happy with them, (laughs) but he's keeping his promises. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So there we go. Classic tithing verse. Now, if you read Malachi, you see there were lots of things that the nation was doing wrong and God was straightening them out about all these things. And this is one of those things as they were holding back on God. The temple was not well taken care of. And so he says, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. So some interesting things in there. Test me in this, it says. I don't know of anywhere else in the Bible where it says, go ahead and test me. I think everywhere else it says, go ahead and trust me. Here it says, go ahead and test me. Uh, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is talking about giving in faith. Like if we give The promise is that we will be taken care of by God. We saw that in 2 Corinthians when we looked at that. We'll read that here in just a little bit. But I want to tell you, we have a program here at Good Hope based on this that we heard about from other people. It wasn't our idea, but we're like, yeah, we can implement that. And it's called the test tithe because it says here, test me in this. See if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven, you know? And so we have a test tithe that you can sign up for. But basically the idea is, is then you can go ahead and start tithing, start giving in a significant way, tithe would be 10% of the increase. And if that's something that you do and you fill out the form and you participate in the test tithe program, if you run into a problem, then we'll just give it back to you. We don't put that money in the general fund. We just set it aside for you if you need it back, and then we'll give it back to you. A program lasts 120 days or until the last day of December, whichever comes first. But otherwise, 120 days, you start the program. If within that 120 days, it's like, wow, I began tithing and now I can't pay my rent. Well, then we'll give you your money back. So that's the test tithe. If you want to participate in that, that's fine. So just want to make sure that you are aware of that. Also, let's look at offerings back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 6, we read 6 through 8. Let's read 6 through 11 this time. Let's keep reading. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So we're talking about giving in faith, trusting that God's going to take care of us, that it's all going to go well. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So that's a tremendous section of scripture. Now there's these beautiful promises, be enriched in every way, increase your store of seed, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. Amazing stuff. How do you hear these verses? You know, as I'm reading them, again, we're going to talk about checking our heart. How do you hear these verses? If you're not settled in your giving, then you might hear it like how Judas saw the perfume and you're like, if you're giving, if you've released that to God, then you're going to hear this with ears of faith. You're going to be like, yeah, you know what? God is going to take care of me. This is going to be okay. And if I had any lasting fears about this, it was all taken care of in Christmas of 2010. We were planting the church. We didn't have much money. We had some unexpected expenses. And my wife, Trinette, came to me and said, we don't have money for Christmas. We need to have a family meeting and let the kids know that, you know, this is going to be a hug Christmas, not a gift Christmas. And uh, I said, okay, we'll call a family meeting. So we called a family meeting, brought the boys in. You know, they were all kids at that time. Said, hey, we don't have any money. I believe that God is going to take care of us. I believe God wants us to have a good Christmas. So in the family meeting, I said, we're going to pray and we're going to believe God for $1,000 to come in from unexpected sources so that we can have Christmas. And my wife was like, what are you doing? You know, like you say a number, what, what if it doesn't happen? You know, but that's what we did. And, and we prayed. I've told this story a bunch of times. It was a beautiful moment. And we had people giving us money. It was more than $1,000. I don't remember, $1,100 or something. And then uh, a guy gave us a side of beef too. So we got meat for me and we got money for a really nice Christmas, you know, and and that was really cool. It showed we'd been tithing for years. We're planting a church. We're serving God. You know, I believe God's going to take care of us. And in this simple example of Christmas, you know, Christmas presents and stuff, God took care of us. So I, I believe in giving in faith that we can trust God to take care of us. And this even counts for organizations like Good Hope Church tithes 10% of all of the general fund to missions. Anything that comes in, anything undesignated, we take 10% of it, we put it towards our missions fund, which is we call kingdom investments. And we do this by faith, trusting that God is going to take care of us as a church. And we've seen that. The church has flourished over the years. So give as the Spirit directs, give to honor God, give in faith. The last one we're going to talk about is by no means an exhaustive list, is give to make a difference. There is a very practical side to giving. Amen. We can make a difference in the world through our giving. Local church is a great example. If nobody was giving, this church would not exist. We wouldn't be able to buy a building. We wouldn't be able to pay staff. We wouldn't be able to do any of the ministries if there were no resources to do that. You can really make a difference in the local church. It's a very important example. How many of you would like to see pastors get paid at least as much as what McDonald's offers? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, we've had people on staff who have had kids in school, high school, who are working at McDonald's. Full-time staff person here getting paid less than their high school kid working at McDonald's. 
like in total money. So, you know, you want to see pastors get paid more than what McDonald's offers? That means giving and making a difference, bearing one another's burdens, letting there be equality, not letting the pastors carry all the burden, but allowing all of us to share that burden. How about the church having clean, nice facilities? You know, we have free coffee here and it's good coffee. We got, it's all free. Why is that? It's because people give. We can have a welcoming environment that's clean, taken care of, that's nice, good places to sit. Because of the resources that are there, there is a practical side to giving. We give to make a difference. But beyond the local church, there's so much more besides that. The local church is important, but we have our missions and outreach, which again, we call kingdom investments. We've got the 10% tithe that goes directly into that. Plus, we have different people who give towards other initiatives in our Kingdom Investments program. We got things like the New Vision Children's Home in Christiana, Jamaica, that we have child sponsorships for, and we do mission trips to, and we're working on developing the farm over there. In our Kingdom Investments program, we support 51 total ministries outside of Good Hope Church. 51. That's fantastic. And beyond that, we have special offerings that we'll do. You know, there's a local church in the Assemblies of God, Aurora Hoyt Lakes. We donated $1,000 to help fix their foundation. That's stuff that's not in here. And that just came out of that 10%. Go help some people locally, help people globally. That's Kingdom Investments, all kinds of great stuff. I encourage you to check out Kingdom Investments online. Or if you're here, we've got different cards and different things and just see if the Lord would have you help with any of those things. But the last two years, 2020, 2021, both years, our giving through Kingdom Investments has been $179,000 and change both years. This year, we're believing for $200,000, not for good hope, but just to go out, to go and be a blessing, to empower ministries to happen around the world. This is what it's all about. So check out Kingdom Investments, see what the Lord puts on your heart, and then believe 2 Corinthians 9, 12. So let's read this one. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. You may think that you're writing a check or you're signing up for online giving and, you know, that's that. You're meeting a need. It actually results in thanksgiving to God supplying the needs of the Lord's people and overflowing in expressions of thanks to God. You can make a real difference. So let me recap those four real quick. Giving, it's an important thing. It's part of our walk with God. We want to give as the Spirit directs. That allows you to grow where you're at and have it all work out. Then give to honor God. It's a part of your relationship with God. Give in faith, not that you're losing, but that God will take care of you. And then give to make a difference. All right, we're going to land the plane. We're going to finish up by talking about our relationship with God a little bit. We're invited into a daily relationship with God, personal relationship with God. I hope you understand that, that you can have a real relationship with the living God. You can reach up to God in prayer and worship, and you can have that connection with God. And one of the things that can happen is people like, they make that connection at church, or they make that connection briefly, occasionally here and there. But God wants to be part of our daily lives and our regular daily lives. Jesus was doing his ministry and his disciples asked him, hey, would you teach us how to pray? You know, John the Baptist teaches his followers how to pray. The Pharisees teach their people how to pray. We're not, you know, you're not really saying anything specific here. Would you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus gives them what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. Beautiful, beautiful template for how we should pray. 
And I want to read one verse from that, just one verse, which we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Matthew 6, 11, extremely simple, says, give us today our daily bread. You may have heard it as give us this day our daily bread means the same thing. Give us today our daily bread. This should be part of our prayer. What does this mean? This means that regular everyday life is part of our relationship with God. Give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't have to be a big fancy thing. It doesn't have to be, in fact, it should be most of the time regular everyday stuff. Lord, help me enjoy this day. Help me make the most of the opportunities. Help me to weather the storms of this day. Help me to to just have a good day. Lord, give me today my daily bread. That means inviting God into your financial life. It's part of walking with God. What if you could live your financial life as part of your relationship with God rather than this thing that's over here and then your relationship with God is over here? Those things are meant to blend together. God wants to be part of your life and all the aspects of your life. One of those important aspects is your financial life. He wants to be part of that. He wants to have you give to honor him. He wants you to seek his spirit, to be led in how you should give. He wants you to know you can give in faith and you can be taken care of and to watch that play out and to give you a sense of purpose that you can make a difference in this world. Like, it's significant. Our financial life is part of our walk with God. So let's pray and let's invite Jesus to guide us in the normal everyday things like paying bills, buying stuff, our financial life, all those things that are part of a personal relationship with God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us into a real relationship with you. Lord, help us not to see giving as manipulation or darkness, even though, of course, there are those things out there. But Lord, let us not be fooled by any manipulative people or anything like that. But let us be led by you in our giving. Let us grab hold of your truth. Let us see the good things that you have for us. Giving to honor you, believing in faith that you'll take care of us, wanting to make a difference. But Lord, also just acknowledging that you are interested in our regular, everyday, daily life. You told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, basic everyday stuff. Thank you, Lord, that you want to be part of our regular lives. And so we invite you, Lord Jesus, to guide us through each day. We give our financial lives to you, our relationship lives to you, our hopes and dreams to you, our heart condition as far as the fruit of the Spirit, all of that. We give that to you. And Lord, we ask you to guide us through each day. Help us to see you and walk with you and learn what that John 8, 31 and 32 means, that when we hold to your teachings, we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. Let us walk in those things. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.